Hey everybody, this is Matt and welcome to another Overflow Pod in our Goodness of God series. As you know, life is a series of choices. We make choices and they make us. We make decisions and if we make good ones, well, we become successful and if we make bad ones, not so much. Every decision that we make has a consequence and the potential for error is great because obviously we're imperfect, we're humans. And some of us struggle even today with difficult decisions of where do I move? What job do I take? Do I get married to them? Do I stay in this marriage? All these different do we, do we, where do we do things? Where do we put our kids in school? All these tough decisions that we have to make. Indecision is one of the greatest sources of stress in your life. In our house, it's the indecision of what's for dinner. I can't believe how stressful it is to simply choose a food for dinner. Yet, God, our Heavenly Father, doesn't want us to be stressed out by our decisions. But when you have this tension in you, what do you do with it? Do you hold on or do you let it go? Do I keep on doing what I'm doing or do I try something else? Do I move on or do I stay? The Bible tells us in the book of James that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And that word unstable actually means to like stagger like you're drunk. That's literally what it means. So when you're pulled in different directions by a decision, because you can't figure out which way to go, it creates enormous tension in your life. Then even after a few times you've made a decision, you might start second-guessing yourself. Did I make the right decision? Then you just prolong the pain. So what's the antidote? Well, the antidote is to let God guide you. And we're going to look at that as we come to in this podcast in our series on living in the goodness of God, where we go verse by verse through Psalm 23. The Bible tells us that life is a journey and that God has given us the roadmap. It's his book, the Bible. That's the roadmap for our life. And that God has given us a compass. That's our conscience that keeps us headed in the right direction if we listen to it. And that God has even given us personal guidance, counselor, his Holy Spirit. A personal guide is even the best thing. That's better than a map. So if you have a guide taking you through a city you've never been, that's a whole lot better than staring at your GPS on your phone. Or even using an old school map or even older, a compass. Now the Bible tells us that God wants us to lead us in the paths of righteousness. That means the right paths. God doesn't want you to mess up your life. And so what we're talking about in this pod is, am I going to waste my life? Am I going to spend my life? Or am I going to invest my life? I don't want to waste it. means I don't want to make the wrong decisions. So how do we get on the right path? How do we do what we should do? The Bible says he leads us in paths of righteousness. So maybe a modern translation would say, he keeps me on track. Now I know what some of you think, Matt. This, this may not work for me. I've tried to let God lead me my whole life, and I just don't get it. How do you let God lead? I mean, what does that look like? Well, that's where we're going to look at in this pod, because there's some things out there you need to start doing, and there's some things you need to stop doing in order to let God lead your life. And that's what muddles our decision-making. So really the question comes down to why is it so difficult to figure out what God wants me to do with my life? Why is God's will often, it seems it's hidden. Is God playing games with me, like playing cat and mouse, hide and seek? Does God enjoy confusing me? Of course not. 
The real issue is we often look for the wrong thing from God. So let's go back to our main passage here, Psalm 23, verse 1 to 3. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, or I have everything I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Now here's where we are. He leads me in right paths or paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So because God is a good God, he promises to guide us down the right path so we're not left on our own. God says, I'm going to give you guidance. In fact, if you listen, if you've never felt guided by God, well, maybe that's a big problem because one of the proofs or one of the evidences that you do have a relationship with God, that is you turn your life over to him, you ask him to forgive you of your sins, that you're in his family, is he guides you. Romans 8.14 says only those who people who are led by God's spirit are God's children. So it's absolutely vitally important that you learn that how do I get guidance from God? Or how do I be led by God's Spirit? Because as Romans said, only those people who are led by God's Spirit are God's children. There are some things on the journey of life you have to stop doing, and there are some things that you have to start doing. Life is composed of starts and stops. So what I want to do is take that little metaphor today and talk to you about how do you hear God speak to you? How do you learn to get God's will in your life? How do you get God's guidance whether it's a business decision or a relational decision, a financial or a health decision. And how do I get God's guidance in my life? How am I led by the Spirit? Well, there are some things you need to stop doing in order to do that. And so before we get on the positive things of what we need to do, let's begin with the negative, what we need to cut out, because these are pervasive and they may be comfortable, but it's necessary if we want to be led by the Spirit of God in our daily lives. So if I want to be led by God's Spirit, number one thing I have to do is, or what I can't do, is you can't follow a culture that does not follow God. If I'm trying to follow God, if I'm trying to be led by the Spirit, I can't follow a culture opposed to Him. You can't run in two directions at the same time. Watching my dog chase squirrels is really funny, especially when there are two of them. No matter how hard she tries, she can't chase two squirrels at the same time because they run in different directions. You can't serve God and money. You can't serve God and whatever, anything else. You have to decide what's number one in your life. You can only have one number one. Exodus 23, the Bible says, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. That's an important verse today because the whole idea is if everybody else is doing it, it must be okay. If it's legal, it must be moral. Not necessarily. Just look at our history of our country. What was legal was definitely not moral. If everybody else is doing it, then I should do it. You can't follow a culture that doesn't follow God. If you want to be led by the Holy Spirit, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. You know, most people make decisions in their life based on what's acceptable, or I just want to fit in. And if they're doing it, I'm going to do it too. And if you're not doing it, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to stick out. I don't want to stand out. I want to rock the boat. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. Shows on social media, TikTok, Instagram, whatever they tell me what's in, that's what's in and I will follow it. And what's out? Well, that's out. That's, I'm going to stop doing that. Wear this. Don't wear that. Say this. Don't say that. There are great pressures to make you conform to our culture. 
And you cannot conform to our culture and be just like everybody else and be led by the Holy Spirit because he's going in a different direction. This problem is not new. It was Israel's biggest problem for two, three, four thousand years in the Bible. They kept trying to be like every other nation and God says, whoa, 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 no, you don't. You're supposed to be different. I don't want you to be the same. I don't want you that. And so he gave them all kinds of moral laws and civil laws and ceremonial laws. And we look back at those laws and be like, man, that's really weird. And this is going to make you different from everybody else. And it's intentional. God says, because you're my people, I want you to be different. So don't copy what everybody else is doing, what other cultures are doing, what other people are doing. Today, many believers accept many of the standards simply because they are politically correct culturally correct. They're what everybody else is doing. And here's what the Bible says, Romans 12 two: do not copy the behavior of the values of this world. I love this paraphrase here. Instead, let God transform you. That means you're going to be different. It continues into a person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do. And let me pause there. The reason you don't know what God wants you to do is you're too encultured with this culture. You can't think like the world and then think like God does at the same time. So you have to decide in life, do I want to be popular with the world or do I really want to do what God put me on this earth to do? Do I want to be who he made me to be, not try to be a poor carbon copy of somebody else? Don't copy the behaviors or values of this world. Let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. Then the verse continues, then you'll know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing is perfect his will really is. God's will for your life is good. It's not bad. God has good plans for you, not bad plans. God's will for your life is good. It's pleasing. It's meant to be enjoyable. It's not a bad deal. It's not painful. Now, it can involve pain, but it's good. It's pleasing and it's perfect. That's what God's will for your life really is. You see, one of the weaknesses of following culture is it's all temporary. Whatever's in style now, you know what? Next year, it's not. Maybe even next month or even next week. Trying to like keep up with my kids, it's impossible. Everything changes so fast. Nothing is worthless as yesterday's fashion unless you wait another 30 years and then what goes around comes back again and we call it vintage. The Bible tells us in 1 John 2.17, the world and all of its desires pass away, but the person who does the will of God lives forever. Really, you don't want to care about whether I'm fitting in with the culture or not. People tell you, well, you're on the wrong side of history. For you, it's not important whether you're on the right side of history or the wrong side of history. It's important that you just stay on the right side because history is often wrong. It's not important to be on the right side of history. It's important to be on the right side. If you're going to let God guide you, you can't say, well, I'm going to try and let culture guide me, what I do, think, and be, and I'm going to let God do that too. It doesn't work that way. Something's got to be number one. Something will rise to the top. Now, let's get a little more personal. Now, that was pretty easy, you know, led by God instead of culture. Now, it's where we get tough. If I want to be led by God's spirit, secondly, you can't follow friends who aren't led by God. If my friends are going to go in the exact opposite direction that God's going in, I have to make a choice. Am I going to go in the direction my friends are going, or am I going to go in the direction of God? If one thing's to say, well, you know, I'm going to be counterculture. It's another thing to say, I'm not going to let my friends influence me. 
you got to stop letting your friends set the agenda for your life. And one of the reasons you don't hear God's will is because you're always hearing what their will is. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's drink this. Let's eat that. Let's go there. Let's talk like this. Let's watch this show or this movie. There are some shows you just shouldn't watch. It doesn't matter if they're the most popular shows on Netflix. You're filling your mind with garbage. We're all worried about air pollution, water pollution. What about mind pollution? Some people are so open-minded, their brains fall out. They're just letting a freeway go through the middle of their mind, like all kinds of stuff. And you know what? None of that is never forgotten. That's why we've you had those weird dreams over the years. It's all the stuff you've ever seen. Every assault, every murder, every violent act, every cuss word, it's all in there. It's all there in your brain. It doesn't forget. You can't follow friends who aren't led by God. Why am I making a big deal about this? Because one of the things that causes people to miss God's will for their life, God's plan, God's perfect, good, and pleasing plan is peer pressure. You can get it in school, and you all know what it's like in school. I got three kids, and they're all pressured by it. And when you felt pressured by the kids in your class, but you also get it at work, there's a lot of peer pressure today. It doesn't go away once you're out of school. Oh, no. Am I going to listen to my friends, my coworkers, my teammates, or am I going to listen to what God says? 1 John 3, 7, do not let anyone, that includes friends, lead you in the wrong way. Christ is righteous. That means he does what's right. So to be like Christ, you must do what is right, not what is necessarily popular. Anyone who keeps on sinning is being led by the devil. So if I got a friend who is habitually sinning, I mean, they're having one affair after another and they're bragging about it at work, I'm listening to them, then I'm just following them. Who are they following? The devil. It says, don't let anybody lead you in the wrong direction. Whenever I think about this, one of my favorite things that I remember, favorite analogies of this is A.C. Green from the Lakers in the in the 80s. He was the only one in the Lakers that didn't sleep with tons of women <laughs> because he followed God instead of his teammates. And for the first couple of years, it was really rough. His teammates would set him up. He would do all kinds of stuff. But A.C. Green, he didn't deal with that. He stayed true. And they started to respect him for it. They didn't agree with him, but they respected him. And he didn't let his teammates decide his life, even though all the other teammates did exactly what they did. They cheated on their significant others with hundreds of women. Each was terrible. But AC stuck, stuck to it. Now, there's a lot of bad advice floating around the world. Everybody can agree with that. I mean, there's articles like why everybody should have an affair. I mean, seriously, that's the article. I mean, it's out there. People can read it. That's the best advice you're going to put out there. Seriously, do you know how much destructiveness that creates in the lives of kids? There's a lot of bad advice out there. Proverbs 13, 20. Keep company with wise friends and you'll become wise. But if you associate with fools, you will suffer greater hurt. See, you can either soar with the eagles or you can run with the turkeys. So it says... Who you hang out with, you need to choose your friends wisely. You keep company with wise friends. You're going to become wise. If I want to follow God's direction, I can't let culture get me off track, and I can't let my friends get me off track. So you got to make sure your advice is from the right source. Now, let me be really clear. When I talk this about friends, it means I can't follow friends. It means I'm I'm not telling you to give up your non-Christian friends. Of course not. In fact, that is the 
You should not do that. Let me make that loud and clear. God wants you to have friends who are unbelievers in the first place. You're commanded to love everyone. You're not allowed to not love anybody. If you're a believer in Christ, you're commanded to love your enemies. Love the people who hate you, criticize you, attack you. You don't get a choice. If I call myself a believer, a follower of Christ, I'm to love everyone. And God wants you to use to bring them to Christ. Jeremiah 15, 19 says, you will be my spokesman. You are to influence them, but do not let them influence you. Every day when you go to work, you're deciding, am I going to be a thermostat or am I going to be a thermometer? See, a thermometer just reflects what the temperature is of the environment they're in. They're, they're talking dirty, I'm going to talk dirty. They're doing this, I'm going to do that. A thermometer just reveals what the culture is like. A thermostat turns the heat up or down. And God wants you to be a thermostat. He doesn't want them to influence you, but you to influence them. Now, as I said, God commands you to love everybody. Let me show you something a lot of believers and Christians don't get. 1 John 2.15, he says, Do not love the world or anything that belongs to the world. If you love the world, you cannot love the Father. Pretty clear. Now, the same guy who wrote that also wrote this, verse John 3.16, For God so loved the world. So what's up with that? Sounds like a big contradiction right there. God so loved the world, and then he says, but you, you're not to love the world. And if you love the world, then the love of the Father isn't in you. Well, which is it? You need to understand the meaning of the word world. The world is used two different ways in these two different passages. It refers to the world's value system, and it refers to the world's people. We're to love the people and not the value system. Does that track? Does that make sense? We're to love the people no matter what kind of lifestyle they live. Did you hear that qualifier? Regardless of their lifestyle, love them. But we are not to love, in fact, we're to hate the value system of like prejudice and racism and justice, sexism, people hurting each other, war, lots of things. We're to hate the things that hurt people in this world. Love the people, hate the value system. You know what the problem is? We get it reversed. We love the value system and hate the people. Christians do this all the time. They're no different. They're just as materialistic, just as hedonistic, just as involved in everything in culture. They love the culture and hate the people. And God says, no, no, you got it all wrong. You got it backwards. Love the world's people. Hate the value system. Okay, five things I got to stop doing. Number one, I can't follow a culture that doesn't follow God. Number two, I can't follow friends who aren't led by God. And number three, why I often miss God's will is I can't look to other sources besides God. If I'm looking for direction for my life, the best place to look is not on a TV show, TV talk show. The best place to look is to read his owner's manual, the Bible, and talk to the creator who made us. That's where you're going to find out about your life. I can't look to other sources besides God. Now, there are many other sources that want to tell you how to run your life. There are many other replacements, many substitutes. And a lot of substitutes in this world, they're called idols. I mean, for instance, when you're looking for what am I supposed to do with my life? And I've actually met many people who pray to God and then read a daily horoscope. And I'm thinking, really? It's like saying, I believe in reincarnation and also heaven at the same time. They're mutually exclusive. You either believe in one or the other. You can't believe in both. That's illogical. It's irrational and it makes no sense. So God says, I want you to look at me and don't look to other things for your guidance. Now, when people look to anything else besides God for guidance in their life, you know what that's called? They're looking 
It's called divination. Divination, you've heard this word. It means to find out about your future without going to your creator. That's divination. There are countless ways to define the future. And you have fortune telling and stuff like that, predictions and prognosis and things like that. You know, in ancient times, the most common way that people discern their future, anybody know what it is? It was called Heruspex. <laughs> you can Google it. Or I like to call it consulting the liver. They would actually sacrifice animals. They cut out the liver and entrails and because the liver was supposed to be the heaviest organ in the body and then somebody would look at it and go, hmm, yeah, liver says, go to war. You'll win this one. This is not some little minor thing. The Roman Empire was built on this kind of finding the liver. No Roman soldier without going into battle, without looking at the liver. The Babylonians looked at the liver. The Etruscans looked at the liver. This was the most commonly used form of predicting the future. In fact, it's even mentioned in the Bible in Ezekiel 21, 21, the king of Babylon now stands at a crossroads, uncertain of whether to attack. So his visors will cast lots by shaking arrows from the quiver. That was another popular way. You take arrows in the quiver and you throw them on the ground and you go, hmm, the arrows say, don't go to battle. <laughs> that was one. And the other, they will inspect the livers of sacrificed animals. So that was called divination. Now, does this stuff really happen today? Yeah. You ever seen a palm reading shop, tea reading shop, or crystal ball, or Madam So-and-so? I mean, it was in Harry Potter, right? <laughs> the Grim. I mean, that stuff's still around. Tarot cards, horoscopes, divination. Look to the future without looking to God. And God says, no, 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 don't do any of that kind of stuff. Don't go to call the psychic hotline. Remember that? Oh, I grew up in the 80s. We had the psychic hotline. Here's a little funny thing about Psychic Hotline. It always cracked me up. You know, they call you up and they ask you for your credit card number. And I'm like, if you're psychic, you tell me my credit card number. Then, then you can charge it. But they never can do that because they have no ability. In Russia, they throw beans on the floor and then they look at the pattern. Yeah, that's a lot of beans right there. That's a pile of beans or whatever. Then there's this thing. I like this one. Parrot Mancy where you let out a parrot out of its case and it goes over and picks up a card and then you know you're supposed to, who you're supposed to marry or whatever. I'm not making this up. This is, this is my all-time favorite. There is a divin divination method called rumpology. And there are people who will pay, you can pay, who will tell you your future by looking at the shape of your butt. I'm not pulling your leg. Google it rumpology you know what it's just it's, it's funny it's i'm just i'm just cracking up i'm trying not to laugh rumpology it's insanity why do people go around doing all these things because they don't want god in their life they don't want a boss they want the future but they don't want god to tell them they don't want a lord they don't want somebody there that they have to serve so the ridiculousness of looking to other sources like your rear instead of looking to god the Bible warns us in Deuteronomy 18, 10 to 12, never look to psychics or seances or fortune telling or the stars or people who claim to be in contact with the dead. People who do these things are doing evil and God hates it with a passion. Now, I doubt any of you are doing this, but I'll tell you, if you know a believer is doing this, politely, gently, lovingly tell them, you know, this isn't the best thing. You're heading down the wrong track. You're never going to get to know God's will through a seance, through a medium, through a horoscope, through astrology. And if you're following the stars, you're not following God. These are counterfeits. You know, today, years ago, 
Gideon used a fleece to discern God's will. But people get fleeced all the time today, cults and fads and therapies and all kinds of stuff. And the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 11, that 14, that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. So you've got to be careful, something to avoid. 1 John 4, 1, don't believe everything you hear. That's a good thing to read before you go on the internet. Actually, I read a quote on the internet the other day. Don't believe everything you read on the internet. It's from Abraham Lincoln. Man, that guy was 150 years ahead of his time. That's all I can say. Ah, internet. It must be true if it's in the computer database. Oh, boy. If you want to be led by the Spirit of God, there's some things you have to stop doing before you start doing the other. So you can't follow culture. You can't follow friends who are not following God. And you can't look to sources besides God, like those divination things. Rumpology. <laughs> Number four. The one applies to a lot of us. Stop being led by your circumstances. I'm amazed how many believers, the number one way they try to determine God's will is according to their circumstance. I missed the plane, so it must be God's will. The heavy traffic it must be God's will. You know, I bumped into some people today, it must be God's will. <laughs> I overslept today, it must be God's will. I didn't go to church. Skating on thin ice, shaky ground when you build your life around your circumstances. A lot of examples in the Bible where circumstances were the exact opposite of God's will. I mean, think of Jonah. God said to Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to preach it. So he starts going over there, you know, the hated enemies of the Israelites. And Jonah's like, I don't want to go. He literally was racially prejudiced against them. And so instead of going east to Nineveh, he gets on a ship headed for Tarshish which is the seaport on the coast of Spain. He's going as far east as they can. He said to go west, and he goes east. But the circumstances, there was a ship waiting there, heading for Tarshish. He had the money for a ticket. They had space. Let's just go for it. Must be God's will. Acts 27, it's about another Mediterranean cruise. About 2,000 years later, and Paul is being taken to Rome as a prisoner, and the night before the ship is leaving, God says to him in his prayer, Tell them not to go tomorrow because they're going to head straight into a storm. Paul tells the sailors and the captain, hey guys, if we leave today, we're going to sail right into a storm. So let's hold off. But they didn't listen to him. Here's what the Bible says. Man, if we sail now, this voyage will be a disaster. We'll lose the ship, the cargo, and maybe even our lives. But when a gentle breeze came up, they thought, this is exactly what we wanted. It was calm. Have you ever had a gentle breeze come up in your life and you think, oh, this is it. It's what I wanted. And you didn't realize you were heading straight into a storm. Acts 27 says, when the gentle breeze came up, they thought this is exactly what we wanted. So they launched out thinking it would be smooth sailing. Sound familiar? But at sea, a violent typhoon storm arose, which made it impossible to control the direction of the ship. So we gave up and just left their drift. You know, when it comes to a storm at sea, you can tell when it comes. Unless you got radar or some other thing going on. I mean, you're out at a beach before a storm comes. It could be a bright, sunshiny day. And before you know it, that weather will turn. Within minutes, you will be engulfed. And man, what a disaster can happen. That is the epitaph of many a believer who trust in circumstances. We just finally gave up and left her drift because we thought it was the right thing to do.
The circumstances look good, but that was a disastrous business deal or marriage or whatever. So how about you? How many times have you ever thought of something? There was an open door. Later, you found out it was a trap door. You can't just trust circumstances. Circumstances can lead you the wrong way. The fact is Satan can manipulate circumstances, so you gotta be aware. Always check your circumstances could be against God's word. What I mean by that is that you don't use circumstances to discern God's will. I mean, think about it. When David was left alone, he didn't go to war. He's left alone. He's walking around the castle and there's a circumstance. Oh, he sees a beautiful woman right across from him, bathing naked on the roof. Wow, what a circumstance that is. And he's like checking her out. Hey. And he's like, yeah, what a circumstance. You know, this must be a good thing. Oh, no, 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 no. Not a good thing. What I mean is that don't use circumstances to discern God's will. Use it to confirm it, but don't let it be the discerning factor. Let me give you one more thing we have to stop. If I want to be led by God's spirit, you can't be led by your feelings. If I want to be led by God's spirit, I can't be led by my feelings because your feelings will lie to you all the time. Every emotion is temporary, whether it's a good one or a bad one. You can be elated at your wedding and it won't last. You can be elated at a theme park. It won't last. You can be elated at a sports game. It won't last. The same is true if you're depressed, if you're discouraged. It won't last. No emotion can stay the same at the same level of intensity. If you have a panic attack, one thing you need to know, it won't last. You can't stay in a perpetual state of panic. This too will pass. And so you can't be led by your feelings because they're not permanent. They're just temporary. And the most common mistake, and I even hear Christians saying this today was, well, just let your conscience be your guide. Well, your conscience is often wrong. So is mine. The Bible says the heart is deceitful. I've told you this many times. You lie to yourself more than you lie to anybody else. And just because you think it, doesn't make it true. Just because someone else thought it doesn't make it true. Just because it's popular doesn't make it true. Something is true simply because it's true. Not what you think is true is true. Not what you hope is true. Not whatever all these other things. Truth is simply truth. It's either right or it's not right. Now, most people base their decisions on how they feel. And I can't tell you how many times, and it sounds like a spiritual thing, they say, why did you do that? Well, I just had a piece about it. That's not enough to make a decision on. I had a piece about it. Peace is a good thing, but you better have more basis for your decision than just a peaceful feeling. You can't just go by your feelings. Feelings lie. It may be a result of some burrito you ate <laughs> or something. Do you remember the story of Jonah? Hey, here's a ship. Hey, I got money. Hey, they took me on board. He goes down. He goes into the bottom of the ship. He falls asleep. He's at peace. Nice, peaceful sleep. He's totally out of God's will. And he's at peace. That peace doesn't last. <laughs> peace is a good thing, but it's not enough to give base to your life on simply emotions because he was totally disobeying God. Satan can give you false peace for a short period of time. And then he woke up in a, in a big fish. Hmm. Proverbs 14, 12, you may feel you're on the right road and still end up dead. The result of being manipulated by your moods. Isaiah 53, 6 says we've all strayed like 
away like sheep. We have left God's path to follow our own. Why did we leave God's path to follow our own? Because we felt like it. Those are things you have to stop doing if you want to be led by the Spirit. So five things not to do in order to be led by the Spirit of God. You can't follow a culture that doesn't follow God. Two, you can't follow friends who aren't led by God. Three, I can't look to other sources besides God. Four, I got to stop being led by circumstances. And five, I can't be led by feelings because all these will change. They're not God's will. And so I think if we start to do get rid of all these five things, we can be a blank slate. We can go to God and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And I'm going to trust in your word. And I've run out of time, so we're not going to get to the positive side. So we're going to look at that next pod when we look at the five things we should start doing. So over this, before next pod, go over those five things that you shouldn't be doing and say, you know what, which one am I doing? Am I doing all of these? Which ones do I need to stop right away? Which ones do I need to work on? Which ones are going to be hard? And get rid of those five and be like, you know what, God, I want to know your will. I want to know your plan. I want to go in the right direction of my life. Let me get rid of all these. And then and then pray that every day for the next week. And then by next week, when we give out the next pod, you're going to say, okay, now what are the five things positively that I can start doing? So I hope that encourages you today. God bless, and I'll see you in the next pod.